0: How are we doing? Good. Well, I'm glad you guys braved the weather to come out here this morning. I, uh, I first want to hit on something that, that is, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, has, has a whole lot of relevance now. If you have a message map, uh, first of all, if you open it up, we're going to be taking some notes up here where it says the date. But if you open it up all the way to the middle, a lot of people have asked, how did the 430 service go? Uh, you can read that. Please not now. I'm preaching. Okay. Some of you are going to go ahead and do that. That's, that's the funny thing, okay? Okay, uh, but you can, you, can, you can read here, there's an opportunity for you to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on that today, uh, an opportunity for you to serve. But first of all, my name is Matt Griswold. Normally I, I do lead worship. I appreciate Jack and the band leading this morning. Uh, our, our regular pastor is Mike Davis. Can you hand me that water, please? I forgot it. A regular pastor on a, on, a, on a normal Sunday would be Mike Davis, and he, is, uh, he, gets a, he allows us to, to preach sometimes, and it's really fun to get in front of you. But I want to I make sure that we, that we have something. I want to make sure that you feel at home today. If it's the first time that you've ever been with Connection, I hope that you felt at home. I hope you feel at home. There's coffee out there. There's popcorn. Okay, It's not... No, we're not normal. We're just going to skip that, okay? No, we're not normal. We're going to jump out of that box, but I really, 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 really... Really, really want you to feel like home, like like you're home today, like your family. Okay. The first video, if you were in here at ten o'clock, the first video. Some of you are smiling. Okay, Jack made mention to barbecued deer. Sounds pretty good right now. Okay, what that guy did is this: he, guy or girl, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but he he had a white a white placemat, and I consider it a waste because I think sweet baby Ray's is going to be in heaven, but he used. He used Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce and a rib bone. Okay, a rib, a, a physical rib that you would eat at Applebee's or somebody. Like he used that and he had a pallet of barbecue sauce and he created that deer. Okay, that I saw that, that just blows my mind. I, I talked with, with Josh Gentry, whose mind does not work like mine when it comes to art. Okay, I don't draw stick people straight with a ruler. Okay. But Josh goes, yeah, he goes, that's that's pretty cool. I I could probably do that. I couldn't do that with instructions, okay? But what the guy did is, or girl, he used, uh, he used the talent that he had. Hey, can you imagine being the waiter or waitress at that table? And you come over, you're like, holy smoke. I used to, we went with a, a youth group one time. We went to a restaurant called Garfield's. And Garfield's has the, all the white paper, and they give you crayons. So while you sit, you just draw and stuff. And we had a, a girl that uh, just, she wrote uh, like uh, old English letters, uh, a beautiful, beautiful rendition of uh, John three sixteen on the paper. She said, "I just want our waitress to see this, and very, very elegantly done." Uh, so I want you, I want you to take that first video, and I want, I want to have a little, a little, a little time here because if your mind does work like that, please come and talk to me. I'm not saying that you have to draw with barbecue sauce, <laughs> but if you can draw, if you can paint. That is, that, is, that is very eye-appealing to our crowd. That's what we want in connection. Okay? We do things on purpose here. So if you can sing, play an instrument, draw with barbecue sauce, that would be awesome. I mean, you draw with barbecue sauce. We can, we can eat the painting. Okay? <laughs> uh, in the second video, how about this? When's the last time that you heard this? In the, the, these words out of the video says, God loves you right where you are. This world doesn't love you where you are. They want you to get everything straight so that they can accept you. The great thing about the gospel, the great thing about Jesus is, as a world we think, man, we've got to get all of our ducks in a row, and then we can go get fixed. The great thing about God is He said, you bring me the pieces, and I'll show you where they go. I'll show you how they fit together. I'll show you what I, what I need from you. This morning we're going to be looking in the New Testament, if you have a New Testament from the hallway, we're going to be on page 169. Everybody else, if you have a, your copy of God's Word, uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Um, if you didn't bring a, a copy of God's Word today, it's going to be on the, on the screens. But we're going to meet a guy named Paul. And I want to. Paul, Paul is a, a cool guy. Okay, we talk about Paul a lot because Paul is, has a lot to do with the New Testament. And some of you are in there and say, man, I'm just thankful that he didn't preach out of Luke today. i thought about it no i didn't not really now we're going through a study in in luke and we're learning just how 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 god loves us so much but last week mike hit on a word and a word that some of you are going to flip your volume switch on right now and you're going to turn me off and it's called change because in this world we like to put on the mask that we have everything going right we have everything right, we have everything correct, we have everything going well for us on the outside. But when 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 we hear the preacher start talking about change and we, we read our Bibles and God and He's speaking to us about changing something in our life, we just shut the volume down. It, my dad from the pulpit, my dad's a pastor, my dad from the pulpit has expressed that men have selective hearing. We hear kind of what we want. I think children are the same way. And I think sometimes women are, but I'm not going to get in that argument right now. <laughs> but we hear what we want to hear, do we not? Man, somebody says, hey, I got 500 bucks. Uh, Wally, I'm just going to give you that. Wally would take 500 bucks. You know, I would take 500 bucks. I'd take $10. If you have a quarter, I'll take it, okay? <laughs> but we, we all like that, but when, but when that bill comes through, you're like, I did not spend that much money in propane. We're not going there. <laughs> okay? But what Paul does in the New Testament, he's challenging these believers. And these believers are people of maturity in faith. Okay? They've been around church. They understand this, this first church. They understand who Jesus was. They are starting to make applications of what Jesus said to their life. So they are changing. Don't flip your volume off. Listen to what God has this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray right now, and I'm just going to ask God to speak to us this morning. If you would, just bow your heads with me. God in heaven, we thank you so much for allowing us to come here this morning, and thank you for this warm building. God, I thank you that, uh, that we can look around and we can physically see the handprints and the fingerprints of people that, give, that gave themselves to paint, that gave themselves to set up chairs, God, just to do what you ask us to do, regardless of what that means. God, if it's about change, okay. Speak to us this morning, God. Use me in the words that you've given me. God, we, we just love you. We want to we wanna thank you for what you do in our life. In your name I pray, amen. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. All right? I'm going to go ahead and put that first, that first screen up. Verse 12 is this. Now, we've got to pay attention because I'm going to start here. I'm going to jump a little bit backwards, and then I'm going to go forward. Verse 12, it says this. We're reading really out the New Living Translation. Um, very easy, easier to understand. Verse 12 says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Paul is stating, first off, that he thought he had done everything right in this world. In today's world, here's the deal. In today's world, Paul had the best parents. You know who I'm talking about. Your friend has the best parents in the world. He had the right last name. Now, where I came from, and that doesn't need to be spoken about, but there was accusations of coaches using last names to get playing time. Or jobs are getting. Somebody gets a job simply because who they are. This is nothing. This is, this is nothing out of the ordinary. I'm not. You guys understand what I'm saying. But Paul had that right last name. When he turned 16, brand new car. He was the popular guy. His college was paid for. Paul was a very reputable person. He had everything that you needed. We're going to see in a little bit his list of. Like his resume of life. And it is good. But he was missing the whole point. He didn't have Christ. He said, I press on to possess that perfection. Look at me. We're going to back up just a little bit. Verses 5 and 6 and 7. This is Paul's resume. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was one. The criteria of Paul simply by stating these words right here meant he was upper crust. He was purebred. Okay? You spend a lot more money on a purebred, bloodlined, AKC registered dog than you do a mutt. Okay? There's a reason. Okay? It, it's, it's a better quality. Paul's saying right here, he goes, I have the bloodline to be good. He goes on. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. Paul knew the law. He practiced it. Okay? He understood it. I was, zealous that I, harshly, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now watch verse 6. It says, I was so zealous, being a Pharisee, being a studier of the law, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. This is what Paul did. Paul said, the only law that we're going to, to do is the Mosaic law, which comes from Moses. Old Testament. That's what we're going to follow. That's what his life started out with. And anybody that does not do that is wrong. Paul was afraid of the C word. Change. Oh no, somebody can't do it different. Somebody can't do it different. No, we can't do it. But he said, I obey. He goes, I was so zealous. I was so into that, that I persecuted the church. We're listening to a guy right here that literally hunted and killed believers of Jesus Christ in his day. And now he's speaking about this guy. Okay, something had to change here. Okay, we're talking going this way, persecuting the church to this way, spreading the love of God. He goes on in verse seven, or, or finish verse six. says, I obeyed the law without fault. In verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Now, do you, do you, know, this, do you know this guy okay, that I'm talking about right here? They have it all figured out. Husband or wife, they have the perfect husband or they have the perfect wife. He always sends her flowers. They always go out to eat. Speaking of flowers, I work in a high school. If you want to to talk about drama, you come and visit me on Valentine's Day in a high school. (laughs) What? Well, I don't like like my boyfriend anymore because he didn't spend this and this and this and this. And look what she got. And and I'm like, go home. Bell ring, please. But this, these, this, this guy, they have it all figured out. They have the perfect wife. You love their house. Oh, if we could just have that house, we'd have it all. On the outside, this is Paul. On the out, Man, he had the perfect house. He had 10 acres. Eight of it was wooded. He had a huge house. I don't physically know that, but this, is the, this metaphorically, this is what we're talking about. Paul was a 10. If you were going to rate this guy, he was a 10. He had all the qualifications. He was the guy that all the girls wanted to date in high school. If you were playing kickball or a sport and you got first pick, I want Paul. I want Paul. Because he may not even be the best, but if you have him on your team, you look better. Okay? He was the cool kid. He was the all-star. Sometimes we look at people like this. Do we not? Sometimes we, we think this. We think, man, they have it all figured out. They have it all figured out. They have it all Right, but behind the scenes, we don't understand what goes on. I know a couple. I know a couple that live north of here and east, over by Indiana. Guys, he's got a Roadrunner with a 440 Hemi with a pistol grip shifter in his garage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. Now, if that doesn't pull your trigger, he's got a 98 LT1 Corvette. Well,. You like antique trucks? He's got a 1964 fully restored Chevy half-ton, yellow and white. It's pristine. For his anniversary, 40 years ago, okay? 40 years ago, he, they, him and his wife got married, and for a 40th year anniversary present for his wife, he bought the car that they took on their honeymoon. 1964 Barracuda. Hey, The guy has... Some scratch, okay? He's very, very wise. Very, 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 very wise. If you're into tractors, he's got an old antique McCormick tractor completely redone that runs in his shop. Metal wheels, metal spikes, everything. This guy has money. Him and his wife are very comfortable. On the outside, you'd see their house. They have have a ballroom dance floor in the upstairs part of their house. They have a tennis court in their front yard. They have it all, man. I have kids. Okay? the tennis court's fenced in with a gate. Kids, I would love to have that house. This is an instant babysitter. That's so why we got a trampoline. With no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't turn me into DCFS. Okay, and take care of our kids. We watch them. But on the outside, this couple, this couple really, really, really seems like they have absolutely everything. Man, if you like cars, he's got them. Okay. One of his life goals, he shared with me one time, one of his life goals is he wanted to donate over he, at least a million dollars to his alma mater college in Texas that he went to. Just money was just not an option. Okay? He had it. But if you knew them closely, they were on the inside some of the saddest people I've ever met. Because they had a great relationship with their daughter, but with their son, it wasn't there. And they, he came to me one day. This guy was a deacon in a church. And he came to me and he goes, he goes, I can't buy that. I can do everything financially that I could ever want to and I can't buy that relationship back. See, on the outside, Paul looked like this, just this, this perfect person, but on the inside he was just vacant. It's very neat to see us Talking, Paul talking about his former life. In verse 7, um, it says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done for me. You know what the cool, you know what the cool thing is about connection? We, we, we launched in October of 2007. So in October, we'll be seven years old. Okay? I teach PE, but that's the right math. Okay. Some of you today, without knowing it, have done this. You've, you've walked in. You've received coffee or popcorn. Maybe you walked on a sidewalk. You sat down in a chair that was cleaned by. Maybe you're sitting next to a present day connection version of Paul. They're here. How do I know that? Because everybody that's in this room that's looking my direction is looking somewhere here. Is looking at a person that used to be one way, but now we're working on getting Matt to go this way. See, I don't have all everything together either. Maybe you're out there, man, I don't have things together. I'm a product of the 90s. I graduated high school in 1998. So most of my, you know, my early, I, I, I deal with the 90s. By the way, if you know who Alf is, I had to YouTube Alf for high schoolers. They have no idea who he is. <laughs> How can he not be funny? Okay, he's got a cat on two pieces of bread. It's funny, okay? But in the 90s, there were these awesome, unbelievable T-shirts. That they were called No Fear. How many people owned one? My people. I did not, ever, I think I had one, okay? I had one. But here's the thing about the No Fear T-shirts. On one of the No Fear T-shirts, and some of you, if you, if you acknowledge this and that you know what those are, you're going to get this real fast. One of them said, N-O-Fear, okay, no fear. The regular brand said this, he who dies with the most toys wins. See, People are quoting it. I'm not lying. This actually happened. Okay, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's what our world says. Okay, I went to a youth conference one time and, and it was the Christian teacher industry was just kind of trying to push these, these look-alike things to, to get the same point across but twist it towards God. And I got a t-shirt and it said, no fear. K-N-O-W, fear. No fear, as in respect for God. As in fearful for God. And and they, they put a Christian twist on this. Now watch this. The no fear, the secular one said, he who dies with the most toys wins. The one that I got said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Still dies. There's still an exclamation point at the end of their life. It stops. Without Christ, there is no life. We fast forward to verse 13. And Paul says this, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He's talking about being perfect. Paul's stating that he continually works on things in his life. Okay, But I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, forgetting the past, for me, is one of the easiest things that I've ever done. That is a lie. You can because, Here's the deal. Watch this. I can't remember anything that has ever happened like that in my life except there was this one time in junior high there's this one time my mate said this there's one time my friend did this to me behind my back but but I really I really I really don't remember the past if I ask you to specifically give me a date on something negative that happens most of you that could come up with that if I ask you to recall a good memory or a bad memory, we can do that. A good memory for me, I don't, I don't know a date, but I was probably 10 or 11, and I went fishing with my grandpa at a little pond called Lankford's Pond. It was across from their parsonage. And we, it was one of those nights, if you fish, it was just one of those afternoons in the summer where every, we literally took turns watching each other catch fish. Nothing big, but it was just all day. And it was just a blast. And that's a good memory for me. But I can remember in in November, right before Thanksgiving break, I was 21 years old. I was in Mary's apartment with some other friends. We were getting ready to go to her sorority hayride in college. And I got a phone call from my mom. And I can tell you exactly what she said. She said, Matt, your Grandpa Jim has had a heart attack. And he didn't make it. Okay, that's a negative one. It's a sad one for me. I can tell you exactly what I was wearing. Our minds are more complex than any computer on this planet. We can recall, but it's hard for us to quit. And those bad ones, man, we just like to sit and dwell on them. And that's what Paul is telling these people. He says, don't dwell on them. Get better. You can get bitter or you can get better. You can remember when that person never said they were sorry. After many years of rebelling with my parents, one of the good memories that I can have is I came to my parents and I told them, I said, I am sorry for what I did to you. And I'm embarrassed to even say that I did this, but it was the years of rebelling that I went up and talked to them. And I told my mom and I told my dad. And one of the coolest memories that I have is my dad understanding that I needed to get that out, and he let me, and then he hugged me, and he said, I love you and I forgive you. And I can tell you where I was when that happened too. Can you remember a time that you had with God, that God literally forgot your past? He just came to where you are. See, that first video, God loves us in spite of everything, but he loves us where we are. Some of you are sitting in our audience right now, and you're thinking, there's no way that God can love me. I do this, I'm addicted to this, I'm addicted to this, I'm addicted to this. Let me tell you something. Some of you people are sitting beside some people this morning that used to be where you are, and now they're not. You know what that's called? God's power. It is not a public issue for me, but recently I found that last Saturday, if you don't think this is a big deal, last Saturday, February 8th, first of all, February 9th, I celebrated five years without a soda. Woo! That's crazy, I know, I know, it's crazy. But the day before that, on on the 8th, I experienced 18 months of freedom from something that haunted my life every hour, 18 months of freedom through a program we have at our church called Celebrate Recovery that involves accountability and the focus on God's Word. See, some of you are sitting next to St. Pauls this morning. This is what fuels him. Paul said, man, I used to be that person. He goes on in 14, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul wants us to be everything, and these people that he's talking to, everything that God wants him to be. He gets up every day and he does his best. I wonder. We get up every day, and most of us hit the snooze more than one time. Don't lie. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. I hit it more than once this morning. Okay, I did. But every day, sometimes he fell down, sometimes he stood up. Sometimes we get down, knocked down at work. Sometimes we have a good day. What he's saying here that we have to focus on the present and the future. Forget about the past. Hey, somebody's hurt you. I'm sorry. You deal with people, people aren't perfect, people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. If you have your handout, your worship handout, flip into that, that, where we're taking notes on top of the, the first page that's open. It says this, At connection, we are not concerned about your past, but we're very interested in where you're going. Very interested. If you saw the video, that if you were here last week, Mike showed the video that says this exact quote, and we do not leave it alone. At Connection, we are not concerned about your past. Okay, In our audience, we have people that have been addicted. People that have been touched inappropriately. People that have been divorced. God is in the healing business, folks. It goes on in verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Mm. You ever... You ever had a group of people that you tried to get to agree on one thing? You're laughing, and that means yes. Because it's hard. There was a a game show, I don't know, a couple years ago. It didn't didn't last very long, but there were these people that were like locked in this room. And all they had to do was vote on one person in that group. And if they could all unanimously vote on that one person, that person would win a million dollars. And they could never do it. Shocker. Greed gets in the way. Oh, I'd like to have my name. I'd like to have my name. It would, get, it would go to like, out of 11, they'd get like 10 and then the 1. They couldn't ever get it perfect. Paul is speaking to people here. He um, goes on in, in verse 16, but we must hold on to the progress... Back up to 59, I apologize. If you disagree at some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. This is what we do. We start here. We say, "God, I need your help." God, I need your help. God, I need your help because we're desperate. Okay, we tried everything else. Now it's God's time. Okay, we, we've gotten to the we've gotten to the just the absolute bottom of the pit. Say, God, I need you here. Okay, now we start walking with people. We start walking with God, and He and He. Is making us better. He's healing us. He's helping us. Now we get right here, and a conflict comes up, and what we want to do, what we want to do, is just run back, and we want to say, "Well, I'm not getting anywhere, and I'm not getting better at this, or I'm not getting better at this." And what we fail to do is turn around to see how far we've came. There were some type, there were some points in my recovery of my stuff that I literally went hour to hour, and it was a thank you God for that hour. Okay, I'm not playing around. The first week, I didn't have soda. <sighs> Bad. They mixed up my order. Uh, I was eating at Wendy's uh, uh, last year, and they mixed up my order. I ordered lemonade. And they gave me mellow yellow. I about got sick. Like, it's so sweet now. I'm like, Ugh. If I was trying to explain, and he's talking to mature people, to agree on these things. If, if I told my wife in great graphic detail, how to field dress a deer and I was starting to talk about cutting around the ears, she would probably know that but she wouldn't let it go. Okay? You do not field dress a deer by the ears. Okay, You don't. But if I was standing next to somebody that had done that before and they heard me say ears, okay, you don't get the insides of a deer out with the ears. Okay, They, they, could, call, they could call into account that hey, this is wrong. This is, this is right. Paul is asking these people to do something. He uses the word mature on purpose. Now mature does not mean old. Does not mean age old. Does not. Mature means you've spent some time in the faith. You've learned something. You've experienced life. You can be more mature than somebody and be younger than them. Paul's asking these people to be mentors. To put into these people. These younger people. I'm going to ask you a question. If you still have your volumes on, i want to ask you this question. Are you passing down everything that you know? Are you passing down? Now, you're going to be gone one of these days, okay? Are you passing down things that you know? I found out we were going to have Emma, and Emma was a girl, and I was confused. as I, I have a sister, and I... Hmm. She's sitting right here. And I have no idea to do what with a little girl. I'm, I'm, I'm like beside myself. I'm talking to my mom and dad. What did you do with Jennifer? What did you do with Jennifer? What did you do with Jennifer? How did, how did you raise a girl? I said, I said, Dad, I can teach this kid how to throw a fastball. I can teach this kid how to shoot a bow. I can teach this kid how to sharpen a knife. I have no idea what to do with Barbies. <laughs> I don't know. Here's what it did. God gave me a little girl first. This is what the opportunity came from. Physically, physically, God molded me, and He said this: He said, "To have a relationship with your girl, you're going to need to understand what makes them tick. It's not going to come to you naturally." So, instead of having a little boy, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I just catch, 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 play throw, you know, throw and throw and catch." Now I have to, I have to create this relationship because I'm not a girl and I don't know what they like. Now I do, but I, I was so thankful. I was thankful that God gave me a girl because I got, to, I got to experience it. Now I have two. So I'm getting a little bit better maybe with Lydia, the second one. But I'm teaching, Mary and I teach them things right now that if we left this earth tomorrow, they know. They wake up this morning. I said, what is, what is this morning? Lydia goes, it's church day. She has a problem with her R's. It's still funny. It's church day. They get it. They understand. We go, we go to church. Is it Wednesday? Because it's band practice night. They know that. Is it Monday night? Because that's that's small group. We, we want to have those, those kids come over. We want to have a good time. They're getting that in. Now, I'm wondering, do you do that? Are there people in your life that you could put into? What God could use you to do is make their, be- their life Better. I mentor several, I've mentored several guys in this church and some of them are younger than me. Some of them are older than me. Some of them, I think, did more mentoring for me than I did for them on life issues. I hadn't experienced some of the things that they'd experienced. My parents are still married. Mary's parents are still married. I, honest to goodness, really don't understand what happens in a divorced, in a divorced home. I'm extremely lucky. I don't understand that. But these guys that I met with got to put into me. They said, this, you know, this, is, this would be how you would, could deal with this or this is how you could deal with this. Connection uses this as a ministry method. Okay? We call it mentoring. You might be sitting next to somebody right now that is mentoring, has been mentored, or does mentoring currently. In verse 16, Paul talks about this process that we've already made. Look to the future, not to the past. Don't forget it's so easy. We can, we can make all this progress and we see this favorite addiction and our favorite sin or our baggage and we just want to run up. Man, the first, the first trouble comes We just and we just pick it up because it's like our comfort. It's like our pet. Like we have to have this. We have to have this. If God has helped you over and out of addiction, you know firsthand that this type of scenario can sneak right back up on you. It's called Relapse. You don't think there's a time that I walk into a Hux and go, man, a fountain of Dr. Pepper sounds good. Now, some of you are laughing because we're just talking about soda. But I'm telling you, it was a serious issue with me. It was like mandatory. I had to have like six or seven a day. Bad. Now I just drink coffee. Without sugar. So it's good for me. Now, <laughs> I only drink a couple cups a day. Big cups, but... <laughs> if you go to the worship handout, it says this. Turn into the, where you're taking notes. It says, we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now listen, that, that, thing, that thing that is very personal to me that I have just celebrated 18 months of sobriety from, I'm telling you, this is a big deal for me. Big deal. When that relapse thing, when that thing comes back in my life and it rears its ugly head all the time. All the time. I says, i just come on and do this again. I have to hold on to my progress. God, you've gotten me this far. And I'll come to celebrate recovery and I'll say, man, I had a good week. Or man, listen, <laughs> this would not quit all week long. We must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Go goes to verse 17. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Paul is not putting himself on a pedestal. It is not fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time you're being corrected, it is always painful. It hurts. It's not funny. If somebody comes up to me and says, you know what, if, if my dad comes up to me and he, and he corrected me, it, it, it hurt. And it broke my spirit. I didn't like it. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, then the Bible says we'll live well and we'll live at peace. I want to live at peace. (laughs) I want to learn how to do the right thing. Paul is not claiming to be perfect. He just says, hey, listen, I think that I've figured some of this out. Follow me. Follow me. Do what I do. You don't think that's relevant today? We have a leader that does, and could, and could honestly say, "Do what I do." Vacuum a carpet like I vacuum a carpet. Huh. He does. We're very fortunate to have that. I'm not saying that because he's in here. I'm telling you that we're very lucky. I've met with him for almost six years, every week. Some of the things he says to me, I really want to hear. Some of the things that he helps me with during that time, I don't want to hear him. It's hard. It hurts. But he teaches me things that have worked for him in the ministry. Why would I not listen to somebody that has that much experience? How could you not better your life by listening to someone that's experienced more than you? That's what Paul is saying. I've, I, dude, listen. Okay, he's telling these people, listen to me. People hunt me. People hit me for Christ. Okay? Paul got in trouble for preaching. They put him in jail. Okay? Or they just beat the snot out of him. Verse 18 says for I have told you often before and I say it again with tears in my eyes there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. He the, the tears in my eyes it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. I had to have a conversation this week with somebody and it broke my heart. It was hard. I'm a codependent person. I want everybody that leaves here to talk to me today. I want you to be happy with me. But that's wrong because sometimes this conflict came up and I had to settle it. I had to be a leader. It wasn't funny. If you own your business, if you're the manager of a business, you understand what I'm saying. Paul says sometimes it's hard and it's hard, it's breaking because these people have not noticed their progress and they're just walking away. we should hear that our conduct is a big deal. You are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you. You're not. If you were touched inappropriately as a kid, it is not your fault. If your parents got divorced, it is not your fault. You are not responsible for 100% of the things that happen to you, but how you react every time, 100% of the time, you. We can choose how we can react. How we act is a big deal. If you follow football, you have obviously probably heard of the name Tim Tebow. If you read his book, I highly recommend it. I don't know if he's going to be an NFL quarterback. I don't know. All I know is he stood on the promises of god during during college football to get major airtime on ESPN that they talked about his faith that's a big deal. God used that beyond most of the things that I'll ever achieve on just a broader audience. But the, in his book, it, it says this. He said, he said I'll, be, I'll be doing something or somebody will talk to me and they'll mention that Tim Tebow is a good kid. And to this day, he says, will you please call my dad? He gives him his phone number. If you've read the book, I'm not joking. He said, he said I give them my dad's phone number because to this day, if my dad hears somebody say, Tim did a good job at this, he gives me a dollar. That's a big deal. Our conduct matters. They mic'd him during a pregame. He's playing catch when the University of Florida in this huge, huge BCS championship in college football and he's singing. <laughs> our God is an awesome God. And he knew he was mic'd up. He's just using it, on it as a platform. But every time, our conduct matters. Our conduct matters. You are responsible for how you react when hardships come. He goes on in verse 19. These people, he says, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think about, they on, I'm sorry, they think only about this life here on earth. Hmm. It goes back to the t shirt, doesn't it? He who dies with the most toys wins. No. <laughs> he who dies with the most toys still dies. What can you pass on? You're going to live longer than your life. What can you pass on? We teach our kids things that are comfortable. Things that we know. I can teach Emma how to... She's only five. I can teach her how to... The mechanics of spiking and volleyball. And she loves it. Because I coach volleyball at school and she gets to be around those girls. But I'm not stuck on that. What I'm stuck on is We go to church on Sunday. We have a small group on on Monday. The people come over, we get to hang out with them. And then we start getting these questions back from a two and a half year old and a five year old. Why do we have people over at our house? Mommy and Daddy, why did you give that person five dollars? Why did you why do we pray before we eat? Why do we I'm not up here saying that Mary and I are superhuman? Superman Christians. We're not. We're broken people like you. But I'm telling you that we're trying to put into our girls things that are going to way outlast us on earth. What can you do? He goes on in verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly, we are eagerly awaiting for Him to return as our Savior. We should as followers to live in a manner that brings joy to God. We should. We should live as Godlike as we can. Well, Matt, that's not easy. If you had to work with the people that I work with, it would not be godly. Okay. I get that. I understand, and I've worked with people like that before. I get it. We should be relevant to those around us. Why does connection buy gas? I was asked this like last month. Why does connection do these things in Mount Vernon? Why they couldn't get why do you use money out of your church to go to put it into Mount Vernon to give people that don't go to your church things? This doesn't make sense. This person is very, very involved in their church. So you're missing it. So we're trying to put into people so they can understand that God seeks to have people act relevantly. Okay, we're to spread the love of Jesus through our actions, through conversations our friendships, and the big deal, please, please hear me this, the big deal, we should not go around like this, oh yeah, church was good this morning, Ooh, play those drums too loud again, I invite you to watch me, okay, up here, if I, if I play, I attempt to move around, you may worship like this, you may worship like this. If you if you do want if you wanna if you want if you wanna see some just just look at our band. Please. We go over this every week. Please look, please look. We try to create an atmosphere in worship that's exciting for you. Some of you are like, this is not my music, but I dig what connection does. Okay, good, great. Or like, ah, oh, I love the music. Okay, good. But we try to create an atmosphere that's exciting, that's new, that's relevant, okay? That's relevant to our age. We should live exciting lives. No, I'm not meaning that you need to go skydiving once a week. I'm meaning that you need to, people need to come up to you and just be like, you are different. Some of my students from my school that I teach are here today. Okay, if you want to ask them, ask them. But at school... I'm a little bit different than the other teachers. I'm still a teacher. I'm still in charge. But I try my best to relate with them. Walk down the hallway. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? There's days that I'm busy. I'm tapping on my iPad. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. There are days like that. Okay, but I attempt to be relevant where I work. Ask them. I'll point you in a direction. This is what we should not be. Everybody's seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. That's not exciting. It's like, it's, that would be like fishing in an empty aquarium. What's the point? You're not being attractive, you're not going to be successful. I mean, I mean, somebody tell me if you can fish in an empty aquarium and catch a fish, please let me know. You make a lot of money. I'll be your, I'll be your agent. But I'm not joking about this. We should be, we, should, we are citizens of heaven. If you are a follower and believer in Jesus Christ this morning, when you die and take your last breath on earth, I, there's a funeral for a gentleman today that I have no doubt that he, as soon as he stepped out of this world on Friday, he hit the gates of heaven and he is having a party, 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 party. Because in heaven, it's not, hey, let's play bridge today. No. Heaven is about worshiping God who loved us. That's what heaven's going to be. And it's going to be a party. And it's going to be fun. And it's going to be exciting. There's not going to be Barris Bueller's teacher in heaven. And we have to live exciting. When you become a Christian, God does not take your fun card. Oh, can't have fun anymore. You're a Christian. God does not do that. We should live lives that are exciting. We should live lives that are attractive to other people. Paul is so confident in this last verse, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly await for Him to return as our Savior. This is 2,000 years ago, and he's anxiously awaiting the return of Jesus. They thought it was going to happen in their lifetime. They were wrong. But we have to live every day, is what he said. Every day we live excited. Everything that Paul said to the Philippians, he sums up in one verse when he wrote to the church in Corinth. Please put this on the board. Put the last verse on the board, please. In your worship handout, this is the last blanks. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Well, Matt, the things that I do... I can't do them for God. Really. Because in the first video, we watched a guy use Sweet Baby Ray's sauce and a rib and he drew a deer. If we had that person come in here and draw uh, uh, the cross or the crucifixion scene, I guarantee you, some of you would be like, holy cow, that is an unbelievable use of talent. People that can make furniture, build houses, Eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. God does not say, I do not want you to never, ever, ever, ever have fun again. I play slow pitch softball sometimes in the summer. You have no idea the connection that you can make with guys on a softball field. No idea. You go to church? Really? Really? Yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm just used to the boring old church and they tell you what to do and they tell you what to do. Watch out for the attitude. Scared of change. Scared of change. Paul is Paul is saying to these people, he says, if you're mature, put in. And I have one challenge for you. Say, Matt, you know, I've experienced a little bit in life. Not everything always went right. Maybe my wife, maybe my kids, maybe my family. Maybe I need to be giving more than I am. Maybe I need to be putting into them before God takes me out of this world. If that's you today, you want to meet with somebody once a week, I can put you in contact. You come up and talk with me. We can, we can hook you up. I mentored guys that were younger than me and I've, I've mentored a guy that's over 50 years old. Not because I have all the answers, but that guy sought to have the ability to give more away in his life. He sought the opportunity to give more. And he is not the same. Not because of me. Because whatever he does, he tries to do it for the glory of God. This morning at Connection, I'm glad that that you came. I I hope that you drank popcorn and ate coffee. There's some people that are still awake. That's good. I challenge you this week. You're getting ready to go out right now. Right now. Right now. And you're getting out early enough with the time change of the worship that you can beat a lot of people to the restaurant. So when you do that, why don't you ask the waitress or waiter that waits on your table today when you go out to eat lunch, is there anything we can pray for you about? Listen, they don't hear that often. All they hear about is, You got this wrong. Be different. If they get it wrong, forgive them. They didn't cook it. I'm so thankful to have you in church this morning. We end with a word of prayer, and then we will be dismissed. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for Paul and what he had to say to these people in the first church. God, I just ask that You use us to give more of You away. God, that we just give and give and give. Our life experiences, whatever we do, God, whatever job we have in this world, whatever fun things we like to do, just allow us to use them for You. God, the people with these, these talents, God, the drawing, and music, music, and, Singing, God, just allow them to use it for you. We love you, God. We thank you for this opportunity. In your name we pray. Amen.